Where's where's the tip? So you're right. saying it lives up to I, the I wanted to create my own question to myself <laughs> <laughs> that I'm now done answering. So that was fun. Uh, the tip is... What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Being slouches with two non-slouches today. Actually, they're they're probably slouching this week, or at least they should be. Yeah, should take uh, it easy. But coming off Leadville performances, the buckles you can see in the on the on the couch here. Mr. David over here forgot forgot his. But we're gonna dive into all about Leadville, Leadville prep. Uh, their races, how it went, and uh, should be a good one. All things Leadville today. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm Coach Dale Sanford. And I am Coach Bryant Funston. We're the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. Every BPC coach is trained in our five pillars coaching system that has been developed over the last decade through our work with athletes of all ages and ability levels, from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete, and all up on that Instagram at BPC Performance. I feel like I was enunciating well on Even that with one. Even a week off, once in I'm thinking you to have that memorized in the next I, I two should three just, years. I should just spend like 10 minutes memorizing, right? <laughs> but then something will happen. All right, we'll get Time to comes. these two. But first, shout-outs. Love the shout-outs. It was kind of a big weekend uh, for us. So, um, USA Triathlon Nationals was this weekend. Uh, we had a pretty good group go. So uh, Philip Young and Greg Rohde both went up, as well as Tony Gambrell, uh, folks that we coach. And everyone had pretty pretty stellar races. I know um, Greg and Philip both, like, had some of their fastest sprint and Olympic times. I know they both ran their fastest off the bike. Yeah, ever. Same, with, same with Tony. Tony yeah. had his uh, his he had his his peak five uh, k. Yeah, all awesome. time. Yeah, on the back end of the sprint. Yeah, Philip Philip had his his best ten k off the really off nice. the bike. Yeah, excellent. Um, so. You know, great, great performances for those guys. A few more names. Callum Maxwell traveled with us, uh, had a great race on Saturday. Um, our buddy Kirsten Sass, as usual, great races. Uh, Jordan Green, our, our buddy up in uh, up in Kentucky, he, he landed on the podium both days in his age group. Uh, ben Dixon, John Dixon, Bubba Hayes, all those guys came up, threw down, had some great races. The weather could not have been better. It was literally like... I mean, I think in the morning it was like 65, no humidity, oh, nice. didn't break. So like a lot 75. like Memphis has been. Yeah, Just a lot like Lovely. Memphis. Yeah, we, they keyed up some great weather, although they had to shorten the swim on um, on Saturday because the rip currents were pretty bad. It was like a washing machine, but at least they didn't cancel it. They just shortened it, mm-hmm. so we still got to swim. So a couple other shout-outs from there. Uh, sprint champions Gabby Burchard and, and Travis Wood. And then Olympic champions, Justin Lippert and Rachel Mensch. If I'm not mistaken, he was not wearing a Speedo, was he? He, he did not wear the Speedo. He had to sport the, the Zwift kit. Um, but I will say 
he put down one hell of a he ran that on or he won the race on the run like he ran himself into first place he was behind by quite a bit that's wow. Uh, and <clears throat> and ran like sub five minute pace for at least the first half of the 10K. Yeah, that's what I heard. It was ridiculous. That's nuts. Uh, Mary Haslip and Sally Landham went down to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, race the crit and the road race there. It was actually Mississippi's uh, or Lambra's road race uh, championship. Um, and they came away in the crit third and fourth and in the road race second and third uh, in a group of three teammates off the front. So... Congrats to them, and uh, you know the rest of the rest of my. We already talked about Tony, but my other two big ones are sitting next to us here. All right, Joe. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, last little notification here. Don't forget our long course training camp is coming up um, September sixth to the eighth. Anybody who's preparing for a late season half or full Ironman, it is absolutely for you. So. Check it out at our uh, our website, buildpeakcompete.com slash tricamp. What's the date of that? September 6th through the 8th. Bobby needs that. Bobby does need that. He'll... Does anyone have his number? What? <laughs> 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 All right. So um, real quick, uh, before we get going, we just have to prove that you guys are um, real people and not professional athletes. Okay. Not even though you have, you even though you do push-ups. Even though, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to arm wrestle real quick. And, uh, yeah, so just give a quick background on work, family, all that jazz real quick. Well, I, construction, residential construction. I have two girls that are uh, seven and four and uh, married with a wife that works. So um so busy times busy yeah getting out and riding it helps takes a takes a village i guess my wife laura always helps out and grandparents to watch the kids often on the long rides on the weekends so it, it it's possible to get it done but and heart you have like what 18 kids yeah we're on our way <laughs> <laughs> yeah help till the land now uh <laughs> i'm um yeah, shout out to my wife who uh, makes it all happen, both in the house and and uh, allows me to get out of the bike and out of town with this guy. Um, I have uh, and my people at work got a really good team right now, so we're able to uh, leave town and go race from time to time. I've got uh, four kids, eleven, nine, seven, and four, and uh, and run the Memphis Boat Center. So I've uh, you know fairly demanding uh life schedule yep um so too busy and and you also have your your sheriff duties right yeah um uh work part-time with the sheriff's department as a volunteer and so that uh that takes a little bit of time and then like your um amateur tattoo artist gig yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) that one's not true (laughs) that one's not happening all right so um two busy guys so when we when you started putting well let's do this first you guys have had pretty a pretty stellar season so far. Not just it hasn't just been down to Leadville. Um, let's you know we we have a whole episode on your your Breck Epic uh, adventure, and uh, but this season was pretty much Dirty Kanza and um, and Leadville, and then you guys went down to what was the qualifying event Rattler Austin Rattler <laughs> went to Austin Rattler for for the qualifying event there. Uh, let's just talk real quick on dirty Kansas and how that went since 
it's you know it's one of those other epic events that people are really um gunning for mm-hmm. these days mm-hmm. uh so we went i think it's june 1 mm-hmm. june 1st we were at uh, dirty kansas 200 mile gravel event in emporia kansas they've got a, a 25 that are more i think more just rides 25 50 yeah. 100 and yeah. 200 and it's funny you talk to we run into people all the time he's like well 350 yeah, there's a 350. Um, that's kind of a limited, uh, limited spots, even more so than the 200. But uh, people say, I'm only doing the 100, and, and doing anything, you know, 100 miles is pretty serious. So we went to Dirty Cans in June, and um, I raced single speed. Dave and I got to race a little bit together. It's a mass start. There was World Tour pros there with uh, Education First. Um, it brings a lot of, a lot of heavy talent and, and it's a, I mean, it's just a huge, huge happening and we, we had a good time. It's, and so you ended up second single speed, yeah. o- second overall single speed in I think f- 49. Yeah. Somewhere under the top 50. 49th uh, overall. Yeah. Overall. On a single speed. Correct. Not too bad. Yeah. And David, yeah. you, you uh, came in, what, you were still top sub 100. Top yeah, 100. <clears throat> 96 or 98 yep. i think 96 maybe yep. but uh yeah i was hoping to ride with him a little longer we i went away from him at the beginning kind of yeah he left me and then uh got caught up in some groups that were going a little hot and it, it got hot and so uh i kind of reined it back in yep. due to uh heat exhaustion i guess you could say yeah, it seems when, like that was kind of the theme of that race. Yeah, it was a nasty was day. Just how hot. And the heat was, I mean, the heat was extreme. We hit, uh, they, last minute, they're supposed to be, just, f- I guess, for everybody's information, the course has changed in the last few years, but there was supposed to be a, a sag stop at 60 or 65 or so, and then at a 150 with a neutral, meaning no, no private aid. It's just water. That the the race set up at 120 and last minute mile 120 they they education first put together a water stop with cold towels and a big old cold water trailer which was really cool at 99. Okay, I probably and that was there 10 to 15 minutes. I think if just if that hadn't water happened, they would there would have been some serious serious problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, talking to some people, they were like any like there was nothing to really find shade under for big yeah. stretches of that course, right? And it was like all of it. You'd, you'd find like people, any like little tree, people mm-hmm. were were yeah, huddled yeah. under, and if somebody had a mechanical, yeah, absolutely. If somebody had a mechanical or had to stop, you'd. I mean, there were people all day. You'd be passing that yeah. had flats, and they would be all be up under the trees. Yeah, they I mean practically under grass if they had to mm-hmm. just to. Yeah. Well, one thing we learned from that with uh, David especially was he ended up having some some GI issues that slowed him down you know towards the end once your stomach turns it's really tough to to continue pushing number one um so you sort of have to like really and nor do you want to eat or drink anymore right so you get to that point where you feel full your stomach's messed up and you're not wanting it to push hard and can't push hard anymore um so we actually use dirty kanza and what happened there um still a great result and then kind of use that to the time between Leadville and Dirty Kansas to fine tune mm-hmm. and try to f- try to figure out his nutrition side of things a little bit more. Um, so something we recommend to people all the time, like not only should you test your stuff in training, but on on race day, you know it's tough to simulate, and you don't simulate a twelve hour, ten, twelve, fourteen hour event on a single training day. You know most of the time in training, so you know things that happen on race day. 
you know, sometimes it's a bit, a bit of an unknown, but learning from that and applying it down the road is, uh, is something that everyone needs to make sure they're doing. I think anybody that expects to go out and do any sort of big event and have it go perfectly, you know, is misguided. Mm -hmm. You've got to be ready no matter what your preparation is. I mean, the preparation, I think, prepares you for those situations. But no matter what it is, you know, you can't come back blaming anybody. You know, I mean, it's there's no nothing you can do besides the equipment, right? There's yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's still a lot of uh, uncontrollables when it comes to yeah. especially like ultra endurance events yeah. in general. Yeah, there's yeah. always going to be things that pop up, and there's all those always those things you can't control. You know, the course, the conditions, the climate, the competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how are you going to react at hour nine? You know, you've been you've been pushing for nine hours and the temperature spikes to a, a level that you weren't expecting yeah. and there's no shade or relief. I mean, yeah. that's something that you just have to deal with. Right? The thing about that too is, you know, everybody's, everybody's yep. dealing with it. So it's, uh, in a way, it's all, oh, oh okay. Yep. Yo, pain, pain train. train. Pain train. Oh, pain train. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> just one more plug for the uh, long course camp there. Um, so kind of uh, get, getting into like the preparation, we'll kind of ch change gears and go toward Loveville and the, uh, and your, 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 um, your trek for the La Plata Grande, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we already established that you guys have other crap to do. Uh -huh. It's not just training and, and sleeping and eating. Uh, so when, like, as far as the preparation, when did you guys do most of your training? Time of day. Yeah, sure. David. So uh, I think Hart expected me to be more of a morning guy. But <laughs> I wanted to heat train, so I'd train in the <laughs> afternoons after I'd get things set up and kind of between home life and uh, the end of the work day kind of. So So you were worried about the heat in Leadville? Well, you know, it, the humidity can uh, <laughs> Work. It was a, it was it a simulation of, right, of uh, <laughs> like altitude, like no oxygen kind of feeling. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that just worked out best for me. And especially, um, I'd do a couple of rides a week early. Yeah. Especially Saturdays. We'd always go yeah. early on the longer days. And then uh, maybe once uh, during the week early. But I was able to work it out with the uh, work and get out, you know, around three. And usually we'd only had you know, an hour to two hours during the week. Mm -hmm. And then the bulk of the rides would be on the weekends. So, yeah, you're, you're one of the people, one of the, you know, few people that actually stayed really consistent hitting your rides later in the day. A lot of mm -hmm. people tend to get consumed by work stuff. <laughs> We've talked about it a lot where like, if, if you've got, if <laughs> you're not going to let that consume me, it's not going to let work consume <laughs> But you did a great job of staying consistent with it. And we talk all the time. Consistency is one of the huge things. And if you're doing a long, big event like this, there's a lot of times and we can talk about the kind of the training leading up to it, but where you're trying to stack days, build fatigue. And if you're missing a day, even if it's, you know, not a super long training session, if you're missing it because life got too busy, then you're not really putting the stress on the system that you need for a, an event that's going to be a hard, you know, sub nine hour uh event um so you did a great job uh training in the afternoon which Thank was good you. so Hart, you were a, off. you cleared the cobwebs for people yeah i'm a morning person uh so uh they, if, if i don't get it done in the morning it's not going to happen mm -hmm. so generally i'd i'd be rolling somewhere around 5 a.m uh some mornings earlier if it was a weekend long ride 
it'd be earlier. And, uh, that was the only way I could get it done. My, I had the, the good, it's really sad time, but from a training standpoint, the good fortune of my family was out West for, uh, July and my in-laws place. So I got to do a lot of, a lot of stacking days and, and, yeah. and big rides, uh, you know, in the month leading up to the race. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, that's a tactic we use a lot, um, kind yeah. of for, for triathletes is, you know, if you're training for an Ironman, trying to get in that kind of volume, we can, is there like a week of work or a vacation you're going on where you can get away, get away with it? Not like, let's just pile on volume when you're with your family, but like, if it's okay, uh, can we, you know, is there a week or a weekend that you can take work off on Friday or something like that? Mm -hmm. And we can just make this huge, huge volume stack, you know, Mm -hmm. for three days. So, I mean, that's a, it was a great, great timing for, for this event. Well, I mean, Bryant, totally. We looked at the schedule (laughs) and we, we, we scheduled rest weeks around travel and, and being with the family. And, and I mean, and when I rest, I don't, I don't do anything. So um yeah hart hart is uh an athlete work hard rest hard he he will Real take hard. the unload week serious yeah. and he'll he'll message me like during the week or, or email or whatever and be like uh so it's cool if i like don't actually ride the ride today right that's on there that that <laughs> was optional, say optional, right? so. optional. <laughs> if it doesn't say optional i'm like uh, do I actually have to do this or can he, I not? He forgot this? to say optional. Yeah. I mean. I'm like, well, how you, how you feeling? He's like, eh, I feel like I could not ride today. I'm like, all right, rest. I mean, I'd, I'd rather you be, you know, take your rest serious on a, on an unload week when we're trying to really stress the body on these build weeks to get you ready for a day. That's, you know, a huge day in the saddle. Uh, it's when you're doing too much on those unload weeks that you can't handle those big training blocks or you get overtrained and end up in a bad spot. So yeah, heart, heart would take them really serious. Yeah. Uh, David, David, I'm was learning. A, I'm learning. David getting was there. getting, yeah. <laughs> I used to never do it. I just, when I couldn't pedal anymore, I'd be like, ah, I'm going to take a day off. One day, one day should <laughs> but suffice. But now like I get a whole week off, so I kind of, it's hard chomping at the bit to get out there again, but. Which is what you want. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what you want. You want the person mentally and physically ready to to rock and roll yeah. and and tackle that next training block. So, Brian, this is a this is kind of a question for you. When when you were kind of thinking through their training structure and key sessions, what were the main things that you wanted to make sure that you put into the training to prepare them for Columbine and all these other climbs that are on the course? Yeah, yeah. We knew we knew going in. You know, you look at the course profile of Leadville. And actually it can be pretty deceiving because there's a lot of the smaller, smaller climbs yeah. on that course that are still 10, 12, you know, 14 minutes, yeah. but Columbine's so crazy that it skews that elevation. You can't really see it if you're just looking at an elevation profile. Right. So mm-hmm. you, you see it as, okay, there's what, one, two, three, there's like five climbs. Mm-hmm. But when you're out there actually doing it, I didn't didn't know this one was here. (laughs) There's two. (laughs) Uh, So what we knew is we knew there was going to be long, sustained climbs. We knew that we weren't going to want them. Like we wanted to improve threshold. So we worked on, you know, improving threshold. But we also knew that on race day, it was going to be this, you know, steady hour power kind of stuff, but repeatable. You weren't going to be riding each of those climbs at, at threshold. You needed to ride within yourself to have the ability to keep doing that over and over again over the course of that, you know, eight, eight, nine hours, uh, which were their goals. You know, Hart's goal was sub eight. 
Uh, David's goal was to go sub nine. Um, both of those are, are very challenging. Both of them hit their goals, although Hart was uh, giving us heart attacks. Uh, <laughs> it was tight. Yeah, 759.33, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, our goal was work the steady, sustained power, um, doing low cadence work uh, to try to simulate that. You know, we're flatlanders here. There's not long climbs that you can go and do unless you get out of town. Uh, so we did our best to try to simulate that. Um, on the weeks that the training volume wasn't like we knew during the week, if you know, all Hart or David had was an hour, there was times where we're working quite a bit above threshold because we're just trying to put that fatigue into the system, sting the legs. Um, and then that way, you know, the Saturday, Sunday stack, uh, or more common with Hart was Saturday, Monday, um, you know, for his life schedule. So it was stress the body build fatigue and then on the weekends um when the training volume could increase it was you know four hour one day four hour the next kind of thing so the so the key sessions during the week uh were basically a a ftp building type Mm -hmm. session and then more of like a bike specific strength low cadence yeah i think uh yeah so we did combos of here's your target 45 minute power and if you can push it longer than that and you have the time to do it, keep pushing it. Uh, if you don't, then start ramping the power up. Um, but it was b- balancing that and some of the shorter intervals to keep the mind fresh as well. Because if every week all, all we did was you know two sessions of <laughs> go out there and do you know two by 30s or three by 30s or you know one by 60, uh, you know, mentally that will fry you. So I, I tried to do my best and kind of getting feedback from both of them um, on mixing it up some. So sometimes it was five minute efforts with shorter recovering between. Um, sometimes it's, you know, two, two by twenties. Uh, other times it was, here's your goal and, and sort of treat it as a challenge. Like how long can you hold this number? Um, which both the times I did that, David came to me uh, when we first started working together. It was like my, one of my biggest weaknesses is sustain mm-hmm. power, the longer stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, like, we probably did more of that with you than I did with Hart in this lead up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spent a lot of time working that, which can, when, you, when you're going out and starting to compare yourself with other people who are doing, you know, a lot of, say, above threshold work or people who are doing a lot of, you know, more intense, shorter racing, it can be easy to, you know, get on a hammer fest style ride yep. and you've been working, you know, 45 minute stuff and they've been working two minute stuff. Um, so it can be easy mentally to start go, and I don't know if this happened with David or not, or, or, uh, Hart, but it can be easy to go, okay, well, everyone seems like they've got a lot more high end than I do. Because they and do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then to remember, okay, well, I'm kind of training for a, a different beast here. Um, I had to remind uh, myself of that because I really, I mean, like by the end of training, especially, I felt like my strengths were almost going longer, like towards the last couple of weeks. I mean, yeah. I set some uh, new PRs or whatnot, and uh, they were all like hour and twenty minutes, and yeah, stuff like that. So yeah, that's when I knew like, and talking about vacation thing, like Dale mentioned earlier, uh, Hart had his family that left town, and David actually ended up leaving town. That was what four weeks out or so, mm-hmm. um, and going on a trip. And with him, it was like, okay, how much can you get each day? And we use that <laughs> as a as a big stack of of volume um which came at a good time mm-hmm. and it was towards the end of that block which was like the second week of a training block 
uh, is when he was hitting peak numbers. And I was like, oh, yeah, you, you are ready, man. You are ready. So now our that's goal is like to, to just. That's when the confidence went up because I was like, eh, it's not going good. And then all of a sudden I hit that. I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe. Well, how much of it like was a mind game for you guys? Like you guys did a lot of training by yourselves. Uh, you know, we tried to mix in group stuff along the way, but I, I thought it was perfect. I mean, you know, I got a. I, by the time a rest week came around, I was like, I'm so sick of this bike. But that's because I was just tired mm-hmm. during. Yeah, and back to his whatever you were seeing or putting together on our training, all it felt like was go get as tired as possible, and then continue to get as tired as possible then at the end of the ride empty the tank and be as tired as possible and the next day you're going to do three more hours and as hard as you can so like i just was like all right i'm just going to try to bury myself every day and then i'll rest but uh, that's kind of what it felt like towards the end there a sustained yeah. bury though it wasn't like you went out just absolutely suffering the whole time yeah. you know yeah so it was really good i mean i thought it was the fun part you mentioned being out on group rides where people have high end and the fun part of that is like well i can't go with them but i'll <laughs> but i'll drag them back so you know yeah. over the next two miles and you just you pull them all yeah, the way yeah. in. well yeah. and i think uh from a training standpoint the the things we sort of had to do was was make sure initially that they were able to handle the training stress uh that was going to be required you know over the course of a week and then we started getting a little bit more where we sort of compressed all that training stress into say three days mm-hmm. much closer together to better simulate okay how are you going to feel at the end of an eight hour nine hour yeah. event yeah that's um, a good that's a good explanation of of the uh, i guess you could still call it periodization of it mm-hmm. but you know spreading that total load because you guys are limited on training dirt you know volume taking that total volume that you can do that you would spread out between seven days and then really starting to compress it into fewer days over time. And then that's how you simulate a massive amount of fatigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what we do. You know, same, similar thing doing coach people in Ironman and stuff is the, the weekdays eventually get a little bit shorter, but the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are, are massive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's a good explanation of, of st- training structure. Um, how much neuromuscular stuff did you guys do? Like shortest duration stuff did you throw in there? Not, not a ton. I mean, because I've would... heard, I heard a lot. Like I've, I've, you know, heard a lot of people who train or in coaches who've thrown in like a bunch of like thirty second and one minute like top end efforts, saying that it's gonna like help you on the shorter climbs, and it it might. But I was more concerned with. I think. I was more concerned with doing too much of that, like it impacting recovery after that uh, and not getting the actual amount of training stress from it that we would want, Um, you know, from a, from a muscle recruitment standpoint, you know, that you would get from some, some neuromuscular work. I mean, these guys were doing strength training two times a week, pretty much. I started as part of like kind of a taper. We started backing down, you know, how much of a load on the on the body with the strength training but just in the last few weeks leading up to it so um i mean from a from a muscle activation and a muscle recruitment standpoint you know they did their strength training right clear up almost till the very end yeah um, but we didn't do a lot of yeah like 30 second 10 second stuff so um david what was your ma- like biggest volume week 
like time wise? Yeah, it's duration. Like uh, fifteen and twelve hour weeks, probably. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's it. I think that might have been mine. Too. Similar. Fifteen hours is probably the biggest week. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good pretty good load on the bike. I think I get think I think people uh, like a lot of people out there who are looking at a level have no idea what to expect as far as like the like maximal training load. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's I mean that's way more than is required to do it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But if you're looking for a great result, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the the sub twelve, and then the sub nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the two, two different belt buckles. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what most people are. Yeah, the two areas most people are shooting for. Uh, how much? Um, like, how much did you spend? How much time did you spend on your like road gravel cross bike versus your mountain bike? All of it. Um, I mean, I I don't I barely touch my mountain bike. Yeah, yeah. I just the way my life schedule works, and I don't really. I mean, I don't get too excited about trying to hit threshold in the trail, right? In the dark, you know. Well, you have years and years and years of backed Mm -hmm. up mountain bike experience, handling all that kind of stuff. Dave, did you do the same thing, pretty much? Um, Yeah, pretty much. The last um, month, probably, I was mostly on my mountain bike. Unless it was like a long day where I ended up getting a group rider to in, you know, I would ride a cross bike or a mountain bike or my gotcha. uh, road bike. But but you guys, you guys didn't do much time at all on the trails mm. leading up to it. So like, what's Leadville? I'm sure. Exactly, it's really not <laughs> so a it's not a technical. Well, and I think <laughs> I think that's an important thing to note though is that you don't get the same at least here in Memphis. You are not going to get that steady effort uh power on the pedals kind of effort if you're on a mountain bike in the trails here in memphis that's going to simulate what you need for a thing like leadville so the fact that you guys were on the road much more than you were uh you know dipping off into the trails was really important um in order to to get the stress that you needed to perform well there yeah or trying to ride gravel was you know similar gravel seems to always be just a little harder to keep momentum Mm -hmm. speed up so mm-hmm. yeah um so like any other major considerations that bryant or any of you guys kind of had to like mesh into your training i know david you had some we talked about the gi issues you had it in uh at kansas so was that like a big focus like while you were doing your your big training loads to well yeah i think the main thing with kansas was uh like i just had the the hydration supplement or whatever I was using had like too much like protein and it was like a meal or something. Yeah. So I kind of just switched to having more hydration in a bottle and not relying on it as, uh, you know, for meal type calories. Yeah. Calories, yeah. So I think that helped because what I'm using now just doesn't mess with my stomach and I find eating a little bit. I mean, I, I still don't love eating a lot of whole foods at, in the middle of a race, but you know, managed to take a bite of a, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich at a couple of aids towards the end and uh, had, uh, I don't know, I didn't really eat a whole lot, but just didn't seem to be an issue. Yeah, I mean, I always am 
tweaking it and messing with it, especially it's a work race in progress. Day. Yeah, David, so, David may or may I had not it have dialed, may or may not have up. tweaked it on race day. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. I'm like, what's Hart doing? Oh, he's, he's, I was touch he's doing that. half a pellet or oh. whatever. So I was like, never <laughs> done that. I think a lot of that. I mean, just to interject, I, I felt like I was had a bowling ball in my gut at Dirty Kansas. Literally, just yeah. like it was, it was the heat. Mm. I think was oh, the yeah. biggest factor. I yeah. wanted to drink more, but I'm drinking more that has like protein in it and stuff. And I really just needed kind of like fluids. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was part of it. For yeah, me, some, I mean, some of the, some of the, like protein and some of the, uh, and some of the sugars that are out there just don't break down real quickly. Mm-hmm. So they sit in your stomach mm-hmm. and, and so they can definitely cause yeah. GI issues. Well, and then, yeah, when your heart rate's so high because of the heat. Yeah. yeah, or and the effort of the effort, event, yeah. then uh, yeah, that digestion's not happening either. So you end up. Yeah, that's why we, Dale and I both prefer having food separate from calories, separate from fluids. Yeah. it's a lot more convenient um, and a lot easier to have calories in fluids. But uh, we found that if you need more hydration and you don't need more calories, um, but all you have is a bottle with calories in it, that can be that can yeah. be a problem. So just something for people to think about there. But heart, you you well, use you have calories in your drink. Yeah, I do, and I and I would say, and that has to be tweaked the level of water to product depending on, you know, the the heat. But in Leadville, I know a lot of people go up there and have nutrition issues, mm-hmm. and it, it if you're not on a gel or some honey or some sort of, you know, liquid based deal, you're gonna struggle. Because you, I mean, you cannot choke down bars at that altitude. At least, I've not been. I mean, I ate yeah. half of a Lara bar. Dry, oh yeah, I ate half of a Lara bar, which is already a very moist, yeah. easy to get down product, and it was. Uh, it took me like twenty minutes holding it in my <laughs> like mouth. Like a chipmunk over there. It was. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's. Uh, it's tough if you're not. If you're. If you're not uh, used to being up there yeah. and choking it, using liquid to get it down. Gotcha. And I experienced that. The last time I did it. So having your nutrition really figured out for Leadville is, I think, critical. For the, for the, uh, the dry, drier Well, dry and and you can't, you're just breathing so hard. It's, I mean, you can lose your breath drinking. Yeah. 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 You'd have to be careful if you're thirsty or whatever. I mean, if you really took down a big gulp and like when you're done, you're like, (laughs) you just got to get more air, but you know. So let's let's talk a little bit about the whole travel logistics of the of the race. Um, you guys uh, took took the sprinter, took your sprinter out, yep. just drove cross country. There needs to be a place where you can rent one of those. <laughs> Coming soon. Good. <laughs> so you, you drove out. Like, how far in advance did you guys like land in Leadville? Well, we got, I think we had about. We planned to wing it, and uh, we. <laughs> started and then we were like we might as well just go ahead and go to denver Denver. yeah so we stayed with a buddy there thursday night thursday night and then got into leadville midday yeah we were 20 miles from leadville and there's a wreck and they're like it's gonna be two to three hours so we went around through uh vale and it took a i think we got there at maybe two or three o'clock in the afternoon on friday okay and so when you got there did you like immediately notice the altitude or was it just kind of when you, because you drove in, you kind of, I mean, I, we kind of, I felt it like, you know, a little bit of a dull headache, yeah. um, but not significant and it wasn't terrible. No. 
Did you do any like pre-riding or anything like that on Friday? Yep. So Friday we got in, just kind of run you through it. We got in and I think we checked in. And Had then, to be two. We were eating at three, I think. Yeah. Hooked up with uh, Chuck Bolton who provided us race support, which was yeah. really cool. He stuck around. He was supposed to be leaving um, a few days before his wife left and he stuck around to help us out, which was great. And we sat down and had a meal with him and kind of went over the plan as we saw it and what we thought you know, would be best service. And, uh, he was able to, and the plan was pipeline and twin lakes are really the only two access points, which is 40, no, excuse me, 28 miles in and twin lakes is 40 miles in. So they're kind of close. And then again, on the way back at 60 and 72 or whatever that is. So those are the main, uh, feeds that you guys set up. Yeah. The only place that you could have private support and the rest of it's race support full race support and uh anyway so we laid that plan out with chuck and then we went for he left and we went for a ride and we got we probably rode an hour and 20 minutes or so and uh we we checked out the the rollout so everybody would know what that looked like we is uh david myself and our friend will and we we rode the start for probably three and a half four miles until you start up st kevin's and then uh, we turn around and shortcut it over so we could see what power line looked like. And they know, so they, I'd ridden it before, but so they would know what to expect. And, and I would be refreshed on kind of what that looked like. And then we turned around and came and rode the last three miles of the race. So we did some really helpful. It wasn't, it's definitely not as good as going to ride the whole course over yeah. time, but um, to know what to expect on the rollout because it's really fast. And uh, on the finish, that was helpful. So I want to go back to like uh, the whole drop eight eight areas because what I from what I heard there was a little bit of an issue. Yeah. With Chuck getting there. So yeah. Just for people to know, like, like to, to think in advance on some of this stuff if they're going to do it next year or whatever. Yeah. Like what what is your what was uh, what was the holdup and what could have happened. What could have been done to prevent that? Well, if you anything? think about the plan and then think about your thoughts about the plan because <laughs> I, I just wasn't thinking clearly. Apparently, I think guess the oxygen had gotten to us and I didn't know it. We uh, the plan was for Chuck to be at aid one and and we'd stop if we needed to. I'd planned on stopping because I had some concerns that he might not make it to aid two because uh, they were so close and. Um, and aid two is right before you start up Columbine. And I knew I'd be climbing for an hour, 20, something like that. Yeah. And then another half an hour come back down. Uh, and so we met him at aid one. Got I got two bottles. I was supposed to get three bottles, but wasn't just, I was messing with a seat that was giving me some trouble and uh, wasn't thinking. And didn't end up catching him at aid two. Um, he wasn't there yet, which there's just too much traffic, too yeah. much traffic in the line of cars for him to get there. He had to walk like, a, you know, half a mile with the cooler. Yeah. Cause he was trying to get to aid two as, as well. Yeah. Oh, he was trying yeah. to be there. Yeah. His intent was to be there. It just, there wasn't enough time. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was beat when I got there. Was he? He's like, I missed hard. I got him. You know, <laughs> it was, I mean, it, it, it was great having him and that's just the way these things go. You yeah. know, we, we kind of thought you, so we're not going to be in this we're not together at this point either. So like he would be a bit ahead of me and we were kind of nervous about aid two Chuck being there anyway. So that's yeah. why you wanted three. Yeah. So that exactly. And I wish I would have known. I didn't even stop at aid one. So I had three bottles to start with. And then when I got to aid one, I was like, I'm good. So he could have just seen heart and then made it probably. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's hindsight's always twenty twenty. But uh, two people would probably be helpful. Or right? using the sack. I mean, they have. You can do drop bags, and okay. and that would have worked. Um, so had Chuck not been there, you guys would have just done the drop drop yeah. bags, and th- those are in the same area where they put those in the uh, the race. They're in a seat. well. We ended up having him at like two miles beyond Twin Lakes to try and give him a little more time to get there, okay. and in an unofficial, officially unofficial aid stop. So it's not the not the race stop, but it's uh, you can have people there, and. Um, the intent was we he would leave the cooler at aid one, so that when we came back, if he wasn't there, okay. the cooler would be there. Gotcha. Uh, but again, I, I so I rode up Columbine, came back down. He was there, changed bottles, then failed again. My own wrong thinking. I gave him my bottles for aid four in a separate bag, thinking he would like. Why wouldn't he be there? You know. Well, they should have been in the cooler. So, uh, but fortunately. At eight four, I had that third bottle that I didn't take the first time through. So, anyway, I know it's a little bit confusing. If you know the course and you've yeah. kind of been there, then you're gonna definitely gonna know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But um, the the plan, my plan, didn't really pan out. Gotcha. Like I was expecting. Because you really, you really do have to have the nutrition and hydration figured out. Oh yeah. Beforehand, uh, it's just <laughs> such a long day, and there's and there's the duration between stops. Is so can be so long yep. that you just have to think. You have to think way ahead. Like you I could physically say, drink through all of your fluids going up Columbine and coming yep. back down. Yeah, I, I used all, everything I had before I got to the top of Columbine, just by the way it worked out. But they had a they had a feed station at the top of Columbine. The if you know what you need in this race, there are plenty of opportunities. I mean, there is nobody's going to run out of food or liquids for a great amount of time with a little bit of preparation. Uh, contrasted with, you know, dirty cans, uh, you can definitely mm-hmm. get in a bad way yeah. out there. You have yeah. to, you have to carry way more. So, all right, so let's uh, let's jump ahead and we'll kind of we'll kind of try to go through some of the execution and the course and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, what um, what corrals did you guys start in? Dave, I think it was green. It was the fourth one. So there, and there was going to be a wave, and I'd be the second or the first line of the second wave. But they they changed that like the day of or something. So, but the way the corrals were set up was like pros or whatever, and it was like maybe fifty people at the most, and then uh, silver, which was seventy-five, maybe a hundred, and that's where you were. That's where he was. And then another one that was similar size. I mean, I felt like I wasn't that far away from the front being in green. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, to put it in perspective, he was in the front quarter, definitely in the front 25%. And I mean, the, the, the white, the rear corral was massive. Yeah. I mean, it was across the street and then another corral started back there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's a waste bag. So yeah. Hart, Hart said he was uh, a fruit's throw away from the uh, the World Tour Pro guys. A that's how, that's yeah, how Hart described it when I was chatting with him. Go go gadget arm. Yeah. Reaching fruits like are we throw. playing Mario Party or yeah. what are we doing? It's not much of a <laughs> ball hit. sport kind of guy. Yeah, well, yeah. Hart's hitting with bananas. So when your so when your corral starts, is it like everyone's kind of gangbusters wants to try to get out and yeah. Wants to try to uh, bait you into going way too hard off the start. Well, it's downhill, so you really you can spin out pretty quick. Okay. Um, but we 
I, I, I tried to advance and I got up into the front 30 or so and, uh, and then just kind of tried to hang out there on the side, making sure I had room and not get tangled up in anything. And, uh, but it was fast. I mean, it's a downhill for three miles and we were rolling 30 plus, you know, or it seemed to be about 30, 30 plus. Did the people in like you guys group kind of work together or was it just like a blob, like a, like a, like a week weekend group ride that's gone wrong? Yeah, it was shifty. Yeah, it was yeah. a, you know, eight to 10 wide for the first three miles and then everybody's yeah, break bumping, break check in, and yeah, crazy riders. There was we hit the gravel, and there, you know, I mean, it definitely people were courteous. It wasn't like you just log jammed. Yeah. It they they knew to let it string out at least at the front, and it, it kind of smoothed out going into the gravel. And there was a wreck in the gravel. There was a wreck in the gravel. So it's I mean it's it was dicey. <laughs> so um, so after the downhill start, kind of go through. Uh, you know, the first major section of the, of the race, kind of how you guys, uh, what, what, what was your strategy going into like the first half? Mm -hmm. I I will say that, uh, David played it really smart at the start because he said Hart was trying to, trying to talk him into it. He was like, come on up here. And I was like, well, if you're trying to go up, I'm trying to go up and then catch you. I'd be dead. (laughs) (laughs) I chilled and just kind of figured I'd catch up on the end there. Yeah, so instead of getting suckered into going and yeah, come being hang next out with to me. like Lachlan Morton and those guys, uh, yeah. he he executed the plan, which was to not overdo it on the front end of this race. Right. I, I mean, I honestly think that all depends. It's tough to overdo it on the downhill. I think that all depends on where you start and what your abilities are. Mm-hmm. So if you if you go to this race and don't go to a qualifier and expect to go under nine or let's just say in the top. 250 or whatever you want to be there as soon as you can get there you know that so, would be the place to move up yeah, yeah you gotta be down in, in the yeah. first three miles you better be taking chances I mean, I, or you're not in the congo line i was maintaining yeah. but there was people that were flying around still you yeah. know wanting to be up um my strategy got second place was at the way back yeah i mean he was there's several people like that though that just came humming around me my my strategy was to not not overcook it in the first you know the first half of the race uh which i really struggle with not going out too hard and um and so i just kind of settled in behind a guy a bigger guy than me that climbed pretty well on st kevin's which is the first climb that goes on for probably 30 minutes or so and um and it was still tough. I mean, like people were coming. I mean, I like I pulled a parachute is what it felt like at the, <laughs> at the rate at which, you know, the true climbers were coming by. So I, I probably went from 30th to 80 or 90th or 40th to 90th, something like that over the first 10 miles and then kind of settled in. So I know we were talking a little bit about like uh, effort levels on some of these climbs. Uh, Brian, what was like some of the power uh, averages on on the that was that section for heart that he was up around that i mean he was climbing that and one of the things we were kind of looking at was vam scores as well like talking with uh i know david and i had a conversation about looking at for those don't know what vam is it's your vertical ascent meters Hmm. but we were looking at um you know on the earlier stuff you know letting david know okay here's here's a person who went sub nine here's sort of what their vam scores look like on a lot of these climbs 
So he could be, or looking at time, you know, what's my duration it takes to get to the top. But looking at VAM, you can see, okay, am I climbing as fast or climbing where I, at a rate that I need to be where I'm not falling behind too much versus going off, say, power, where you're at altitude and who knows how much that lack of oxygen coming from sea level going up to 10,000 plus feet. Um, but even still, I mean, you know, heart, heart was pushing right around uh, 300. David's was around 250-ish, I believe, if I'm remembering right, offhand. Um, so still pretty decent effort. And then if you look over the course of the ride, you know, it ends up you know, fatigue, fatigue ends up settling in, uh, by the end to where, you know, what 290 would have felt like 400 by the end, uh, mm-hmm. sort of thing. So what, like we talked about, like, what's the, what, what is the expectation of like threshold drop? in percentage it's like 25 30 percent i mean at that yeah they estimate just yeah just the lack of oxygen just the the amount of less oxygen yeah you're starting with an engine that's running yeah 20 to 30 percent less at that altitude so that so that 300 uh realistically was a yeah a big a big effort huge effort for that first 30 minutes for a 30 minute climb yeah I mean, it, and that—that's what's you gotta—you gotta just know that that's gonna happen for guys like us that are coming. I mean, the people passing are not from Memphis, you know, <laughs> Florida. They're—they—they live out there, and it's—I mean, it, if you got to be prepared because you're like, I'm just free. I'm on the limit, and they're flying past. Mm-hmm. And that's where you just have to stay within yourself. Like yeah. this is a long day, and who knows? Some of these people may not be pacing well at all. They may be totally right. blow sky high midway up Columbine. So. Like trusting your own race plan, riding within yourself, especially early, is is imperative for finishing the race strong. For sure. This, I mean, this is definitely one of those events that it is. I mean, you were racing the clock. I got to the end and was with the guy, and we were like, "Hey, if we're going to make it, we got to really keep it pinned." He beat me. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I wasn't racing him. Whereas every other race I've ever done is. You know, you're. If I see somebody, there, I'm racing them. First or last. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it is definitely. A, it's, it's. It makes it a little bit easier to ride within yourself. Yeah. And that VAM you were talking about, I had no clue what that was. You know, and I was like, I mean, I'm not gonna learn now to watch. <laughs> and so dumb. I mean, I just put it on a Garmin screen that shows the elevation gain, or the Wahoo deal has it, and then on there has the VAM. So I was like, well, I remember the VAM number, so I just would look at that and that you know, kind of you're able to push it a little harder or whatnot and then i don't mean i don't know what the number means but <laughs> I, I can hold a number if i you know know what so a, so really quick number. well uh, let's jump into vam so yeah. v- vertical ascent in meters so essentially each climb is going to have a different gradient right sometimes they're going to be 10 percent, other times it may be six percent but what a vam score is is it's telling you how many meters you would climb in altitude uh, over the course of an hour Okay. So if you're climbing at a 2000 VAM score, I think highest ever in like the Tour de France in the, in the full gas doped up days is like 1800 meters per hour. Well, my, which, my goal was like 650. Yes. The goal here was to stay around 650s or so yeah. uh, on some of these climbs. Um, but essentially it's so you can kind of compare how fast are you climbing up this hill uh, relative or how fast would you be on another climb? that you may not have ever gone and ridden, you can compare it to climbs you've already done. Hmm. If you know, okay, I, I can go out to Chattanooga and climb a 15 minute climb at this VAM score, what would I be if I went and did another climb in you know California? 
of different gradient. Huh. So there you go. There you go. There's your, there's your lesson for the day. I've always wondered what that meant. So if you look at Strava, Strava will tell you VAM scores on different KOMs, and you can kind of give a give yourself a little assessment of where you might rank on that. I don't have to look at leaderboard. it to know that I'm bad. What's funny is you go look at altitude versus, say, California, and the VAM scores are a lot less on the even the KOM owner is going to be a lot less. Like if you're riding a thousand, uh, a VAM score of like a thousand out at Leadville, you are you're blazing of those climbs. Pretty dang good. Hmm. So what? Um, so kind of getting toward like after the first climb, uh, what's after that, and like how did you? I know the the whole thing was being conservative, but like after that first climb, what like what were your thoughts? Were you just trying to stay steady, or you know just trying to make it to to Columbine in one piece? Well, um, so I just moved that all the way to the power hill downhill. And uh, I think that's when you just start cooking it, really. And then you get to Columbine and try to have a little little something left, I guess, is how I felt. But I came down uh, power line just smoking, and everybody, you can just smell the, the brake <laughs> wear or whatnot. And then, you know, everybody kind of told me I got a little bit of advice from everybody, which is neat about Leadville because it's like a fraternity or something that everybody can – remember and it's always the same course but anyway i got to the bottom everybody's like you need to push it to get to a group like right there at the bottom of power line and um and do as little as possible in the group and that's what i did so there was a huge group in front of me and i kind of left whatever i was with and me and this other guy were like we better you know hoof it and so i put a little effort in he put an effort in and i came back over and then we caught this huge group and then i sat on the back and was like 150 you know watts for until basically uh, Twin Lakes was about the beginning of Columbine, so I, I kind of had a it was a faster or a fast enough group, but um, didn't put a whole lot of effort in um, kind of after that power line. Able to able to conserve through there. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. Did you end up getting on a group? No, no. not really. <laughs> I um, my my goal was just to everywhere I could be as efficient as possible. So um, I hit the down the backside of. St. Kevin's and, and I came past the people I was with. Uh, and then they all kind of regrouped on that um, Sugarloaf sugar climb and then down power line. And, and I'm a little bit better descender than I am a climber. So I left the people I was with there and ended up in with one other guy, uh, Rastafarian dude, <laughs> uh, out there on the road uh, to power or to pipeline. And it was just him and I. We saw a group ahead of us. He's like, should we try? But they looked like they were motivated, and I, it was going to be a tall order to, to run yeah. them down. So we rode together, um, got through the aid station trying to fix that saddle issue, and and then did end up with some people that I ultimately got dropped from uh, after Pipeline and uh, on, on the climbs of all places. And then uh, picked up another group and got dropped from them. Uh, on another climb, and uh, so I, I kind of just in and out of no man's <clears throat> land on the way over to Columbine, but it, it was a lot better on the way back. Well, I think that I think one of the important points is that you you would you catch groups on the descents and the flatter sections, and then once you got to the climb, you knew not to like blow yourself to pieces trying to yep. stay with the group just right. in just like having the thought process that the group is going to help you later because 
you were probably a better descender and, you know, flatlander yeah. than, than the group. So, yeah, I mean, it's one thing to jump groups and get the aid of a group, but when you get to the harder sections, don't let that group determine your effort. 100%. By any means. Yeah. It just, I think it just happened to work out that way in the early part of the race. I wasn't feeling great on the climbs. I didn't let them determine my pace. And subsequently, you know, I, I just, you just kind of end up, sometimes you end up with somebody at work, sometimes it doesn't, and you got to let it go if it doesn't. And it didn't. <laughs> it didn't in the, in the first half, that's for sure. So what's the, uh, what's the, like, how, like, how bad is Columbine? It's not. Not well, bad. Not till the top. Yeah, at the top. David, do you agree? I didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> but um, the top is, I mean, the top stinks. Mm -hmm. But the lower part's just not a big deal. I just don't like doing the hike a bike thing. And towards the top, it was a yeah. pretty good amount of that. And where I was, I mean, people would slip off and fall, and it's like, well, walk just as fast as that guy is it just or, is it just it's just that steep that you get off or is it because it's congested and somebody who tried to ride it a little bit know, of both especially trail. where i am you know i think a lot of people are you know conserving energy or getting just toasted riding and so hopping off and walking for a little bit and then it gets a little flatter and then you hop back on and ride and then sometimes you get the you know the jockeying around and they kind of fall off or whatnot I mean, yeah. if we were here in Memphis, it's all rideable. It's all rideable. And it's at, all rideable. At our altitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's all rideable to some people up there. I mean, yeah. like, definitely there are guys that ride it. I think I think Boomer said that he rode the whole thing, if I remember right. Or maybe it was Russ. But, um, I mean, I on a good day, I might have. But it, you, you also, over to, for me, I'll overcook myself right. riding two miles an hour. Right. And I can yeah. walk one and a half for the next five minutes. Yeah. So at the very top. You know, you're at 12,000, well, almost to the top, you're at 12,000 feet when all this kind of starts. You go for two miles up rough one line things. And, and uh, so I walked, I don't know, what did we decide I walked? It was like five minutes. Yeah, probably, I mean, total five minutes and uh, 30. That's worth <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. Well, one uh, thing to note, like, as far as this, the difficulty of that, like the, the guy who won it, his average on one of, I looked at his Strava thing and his average on one of the segments, he was under or right about six miles an hour, which, you know, take a, uh, this, this is a guy who's won it three years in a row now who lives in Durango, uh, Howard Grotz. He's like one of the top, you know, us mountain bikers. And if his average speed is, you know, sub, sub six, that's a legit, <laughs> that's a legit effort. Yeah. And not many people are going to be, be riding mm -hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. I was glad to be done with it, though. I mean, I probably got passed by fifty people. I bet. Yeah, That's my guess. Similar. I mean, I, I got I got passed by a bunch of people, on yeah. and I was like, I'm not gonna try to kill myself. I mean, you can't even see the end. Yeah. And then finally, I mean, once I get to the top, and I'm hauling down, I spent one second up at the top, and then was passing people uh, down, and uh, and just seeing those poor guys coming up that uh -huh. I just was, you know, I was happy to be where I was then. Uh -huh. So what we did with them, like they had time goals. And so we essentially kind of looked back at some other performances of people on Strava who had uh, gone under the time that they were wanting to. And we had these time checks, essentially, like we, you probably need to Columbine, beat a Columbine about, about here. Um, and so both of them at the top were like, okay, 
uh, within what five minutes i think of what yeah. you thought you needed yeah. to I, be thought I, I thought it was six minutes behind i was and, five minutes behind yeah we fin- i finished at least six minutes behind the guy or the maybe five minutes behind the guy that i was comparing it to that we were looking at yeah but yeah so having that was helpful that was like one of the only numbers i had in my head we kind of talked about where our times would be at the checkpoints but I really was just focusing on that halfway point. I figured if I could be there, I can have a good kick home. And that's where the difference between like it being a race where you're racing each person that you're out there with versus you guys were racing against a time goal that you had set. So it's right. a, you know, a nine hour time trial, essentially. Right. How am I going to maximize my speed <laughs> over and minimize my energy costs, you know, as much as possible. So I, I have as much energy as I can late. It's it's a that's a long day to be mentally having to stay very checked in. It very flew checked fast, in. Though. Yeah, that had to be one of the fastest nine hours. Was it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I felt like I was at the Tour de France at some of these parts. Like the aides coming through, there's just seas of people wearing crazy stuff, and <laughs> you know, every all these old buckle winners are out there, like telling you, you know, you're on pace for this or that, and it, it was helpful. Nice. But you so know, like up the cool. hills and stuff, you have all these little. So des- descending Columbine, uh, is it is it technical? I mean, mm, just I mean, the top or yeah, just the top. The first, I did that two miles. With locked out fort. <laughs> I was like, why is this so hard? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, you know, trying to try to fix it, fix it as I'm riding. But uh, that was always well, helpful first, to have the first this mile and a half, I guess, where it's technical, and then. And then it's just full fast, back. yeah, so wide fast. open, just dirt roads. But you have a lot of people coming up that you got to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, but so, I was able to pass at the top, and I mean, you know, it was big enough to pass, but it was it get a little tight. I mean, you have to let the guy know that pick a side. <laughs> but uh, were you just yelling like coming in hot each time you were? Yeah, I'd get I'd get kind of with them a little bit and then feel them out before I just this guy here just balls fast. <laughs> I, I like to. Did you get one on your left? I like to go home after these things, not injured. <laughs> yeah, hold your line. So, uh, um, so after the descent, uh, what's the next? What's the next climb? You ride across that valley. I mean, it's yeah. it's got some it's got some up and down, but then you hit Powerline, and that's that's where the rubber meets the road more than Columbine, probably. So that's that people. section that I rode with a group on out there. Yeah. The way yeah. home though. It starts to get a little bit more falling apart. You see guys just dying and stuff out there and coming back. And I was gaining on folks and like, let's work together. And then you'd work and you'd look back and they're off and you get to the next group. Yeah. And Finishing strong. So yeah, strong. like that section felt awesome. And uh, I did keep passing and catching people and uh, basically didn't really get in much of anybody's draft back. And then at the bottom of the power line, I felt it. <laughs> but uh, power line was tough, you know. And uh, and then after that, you know, is just a little. So bit you'd of, say, so you'd say power line's the worst. Yeah. Feel, felt the worst of any climb. Uh, Probably because it got a little hot too. Yeah, I mean it's it's because you're so fatigued at that point. You're not climbing the three thousand feet or whatever twenty five hundred feet that Columbine is, but. I don't, I don't even know what it is. A thousand, fifteen hundred feet, thirty, thirty, forty minutes. Maybe for some people, it probably might be an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, the 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 bottom half mile is most everybody not rideable. I mean, it is super steep. 
There's gotcha. a lot of a lot of support right there, which is cool. A lot of people yelling for you and give it. I mean, there's people that give you slices of watermelon. There you go. Sometimes there's shots. We had a, got, a, got a Coke. I didn't know shots this year, but uh, <laughs> ha, I think it was half mile. Then it leans. There's a bunch of false flats. So if you if you go out there, know that you are going to see four, three or four times you think you're at the top. Yeah, if you don't oh, know geez. it, the people disappear too. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're only on the bottom. Yeah. And then it and then it, but it's rideable. Once you get above that bottom half mile, it's rideable for most and. Uh, you know, it's, and it gets a little bit rougher, but it, it is not as steep. So. Gotcha. David, same for you? Is that, is that worse? Was the worst? Uh, uh, well, I think I just started feeling it in the legs a bit there. And um, I guess maybe after the efforts there, and I think that's when I had a little uh, hydration, you know, mess little, up. A little cramp action? Uh, I started feeling twinges there. I didn't actually cramp until about 15 left, and that was like, hop off the bike and pound it out for a second and then uh and then i just you know, got on push-ups or what no i mean just like i couldn't move i had a, the full lock a, up. yeah both legs so, i mean you know this one had a <laughs> can't put both of them down on a bike <laughs> kind of but anyway i had to jump off for a second and uh but i only had so another thing just total wise of i had like three minutes of downtime stoppage so i think that was a big help and you know just to stay on course of you know the goal whatever i didn't have a whole lot of time to spare so i needed to not be stopping very long so the uh what's the very last climb on the i don't know what it's called carter summit is at the top is the carter summit aid station at 91 it's the okay you're on the return of st kevin's i guess i don't know what it's called that's a, it's that's asphalt asphalt 15 mile yeah. left and that's where i cramp bad and at the bottom i got some help from same know, i mean that's exactly where i cramp so is uh, is it like at that point? Is it getting warmer? Is it like, or are you just? It, it was doesn't matter. Like upper seventies, wasn't it? Yeah, we're at. I mean, we're. Uh, I, I wore arm warmers and a base layer, the, all the way to Twin Lakes inbound. As soon as I got down Columbine, I ripped the arm warmers off. Gotcha. And and we had great weather. Normally, you'd have a vest or a jacket, or it might sleet or rain or. Anything I, backing up, I think the most difficult part of the race is the is the top of Columbine, just from the altitude. Power line is the is mentally challenging, but it's not if you're unless you're just hammered, it's not the worst. Hammered, War, tired. <laughs> unless you're hammered, tired. Unless you get that <laughs> shot on the bottom. Yeah, of the exactly. Road. Now the top of Columbine was worse, I think. Yeah, I mean. So like, um, all right. So as far as like coming in the last couple of miles, did you kind of, did you kind of get a rush of, uh, you know, a rush to finish or did you just kind of enjoy it and cruise it in? No. Cause <laughs> yeah. I had to throw that in there because we were all watching the, on, uh, online and it was down to the wire for you there, Hart. I was full gas as much as I could from the top of power line. So descend, uh, sugar loaf, back up the asphalt climb, descend St. Kevin's, and that's where it was really, like, really pouring it on. Because it was on power line that you you were kind of doing calculations in your head, right? Yeah. Where you were like, uh, yeah, this, this is this isn't possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about, num- like, time until I got the top of combine. I was like, all right, I got that number. And the way home, about power line, I started doing the math of, like, all right, if I go 10 miles an hour for, you know, <laughs> I got to break it up in the easy numbers too. And I'm like, all right, we'll just 
carry the one. And, <laughs> but like in each you know time, I could get an idea of like this is a flatter section. I'm like, all right, so we'll do fifteen, 15 there. Here. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I started kind of doing that math, and I was kind of managing that cramp the whole last fifty miles. I was like, all right, here's my power number that I can pedal at and not feel the cramp kind of grow back. So I kind of did that, and then the last little bit, I just felt like going as hard as I could. I knew I could make it from like last three miles because I knew yeah. the finish and that was helpful. The pre-ride before that. Gotcha. So, uh, biggest mistakes of, uh, or if you made any mistakes, was it perfect? Perfect day? No. 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 So, uh, what, what could you have done better, uh, to help your, help yourself out? Um, if I had another ride, a more race realistic ride on this, uh, seat post issue that I dealt with. What was up with the seat post? Oh, yeah. I, I broke, I was trying to clean it up and stop it from squeaking because I hear so much from people about my bike making noise. <laughs> and uh, over tightened a bolt, broke it. This got was the, on Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday. Race is Saturday. Got the parts. Uh, Russ got the parts for me out at Cycleton. And no one else coming through there, reassembled it all. And there, it, I mean, they say you might need to tighten this down after you ride a little bit. And, uh, and I couldn't get it tight enough to stop it from nose up, nose down, oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the saddle was moving around until about, it finally settled in and I figured out how to ride it about 70 miles, 60 miles, something like that. And then, uh, I dealt with that. That was a challenge. And then being off with bottles, I think is what caused me to cramp and, uh, that, you know, really thinking through the nutrition plan and how it's going to get executed in a backup. If you got, um, you know, like I, it just, it was my own fault. Chuck was awesome. And I, I just didn't plan to have the right stuff at the right place. So I was really short on sodium and, uh, and, and that caused me to cramp some. David. Um, yeah. Echoing that Chuck was awesome. And it was very helpful to have my stuff at each of those spots. Because you know, you can grab any kind of goo or whatever they're, you know, pushing on the course. But uh, I thought uh, my mix of bottle that game day decision was something I've never done. So I think maybe those. Was... So what you're trying to say is you changed up your <laughs> yeah. I changed up my plan hydration plan on race day. on race day. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. No. Uh, I will, because my I will legs second felt great, that. and then I just all of a sudden started cramping. Your coach will second that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Heart was saved by pickle juice, but by the time David yeah, got there, was pickle gone. juice was gone. Yeah, yeah, I mean that was God's providence. I mean, we. I came down. I'm not kidding. I came down Sugarloaf. I start up that asphalt climb. Five pedal strokes, my legs start cramping, and then fifteen pedal strokes, and I'm at a tent where they're giving out cold towels. Y'all got any salt or anything? Go, well, we got this pickle juice, and there's no pickles in it. Just cashed in. Gone. My but buddy no. likes it too, so. Yeah. <laughs> if y'all don't run out. I left, <laughs> I left the back wash for back in there. Yeah. You, can save, you can save it for about 45 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, the juice is gone, through. but so are the cramps. You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, so David essentially went half, half strength on what his plan was going to be from a sodium standpoint, which. Yep. But I had all different bottles with all different mixes. It was perfect until the sodium. 
uh, cut was made. Probably can blame me. He didn't, but I. He took, was like, "These are so expensive. That's why I split them." I was like, "I know. These are like twenty <laughs> bottles I got here." So I was like, "Good idea." I didn't say that. Big mistake. Big Good mistake. race day decision. Yeah. Uh, All right. So last. All the l- money you spend, you're saving on a <laughs> thirty cents less. Thirty cents less each bottle now. Any last tips uh, for anybody who's uh, not just looking to have a, a really you know great time, but you know. Just buckle it all. I mean, the sub twelve. Um, anything you got for, especially for flatlanders. Like, what would you recommend for someone trying to come from Memphis, head out to Leadville, have their best race possible? Do other long stuff, and I mean, get a plan. And if that means get a coach, if you can, that's that's better. And then do other long events. I think a lot of people have gone out to Leadville that haven't done. Didn't do a qualifying event. Yeah. Didn't or, do Kansas. Didn't, yeah. You yeah. <laughs> just need to know. I mean, Leadville is another, it is a premier event because it's, and, it, and it's built as the most difficult. I don't, I do not agree with that assessment, but it is, it is, would be extremely difficult to go do Leadville, adding in the altitude component, adding in the climbing component without having done other big stuff. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. David? What was the question? Uh, tips for, say, someone coming from mm. Memphis, okay. flatlands, heading to uh, to tackle an event like that. All right. Biggest tips. Well, uh, you could always just point in there. Yeah. Well, so I would also add into that, I guess, is uh, like I was almost like guilted into doing it because like people are like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I ride mountain bikes. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, have you ever done Leadville? I'm like, well, no, but I've done like <laughs> single track races and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. It's just kind of like a, I don't know, but a prestigious enough race. It's almost a measuring tool for mountain bikers. So I felt like I, I had to do it. And then uh, after doing it and going through the whole process, I mean, it it's like amazing support from all the Memphians that had done it. And uh, I mean, I got where's where's the tip? So all you're right. saying it lives up to I, I wanted to create my own question to myself <laughs> <laughs> that I'm now done answering. So that was fun. Uh, the tip is, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we went with a guy that it was his first bike race ever. I think you need a little experience going in and uh, a lot of experience. So don't make help. your first mountain bike yeah, race I mean, ever, Leadville? Right. And then the training up to it, I mean, like I was motivated for that race in a big way and so uh i think for my goal I, I needed every bit of that training and you know preparation around that being my goal race to even do what i did it's, but if you're going out there to do the race i think it's i think anybody could go out there with you know just a good amount of uh, advice and you know go, go have a good time with it good anything else funston you got anything to add uh no I think it's a lot, a ton of really good uh, information on the course, the preparation. So we appreciate you guys. Oh, I do have one last thing. No, Brian. What was harder, Dirty Kansas or Leadville? Leadville? Um, mm. You're on a single speed. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't know about that. I mean, I definitely was not. That's a tough one to answer. I felt way worse at. Dirty I don't Kansas. think it's I don't think it's apples to apples. No. Yeah. yeah, I felt worse at parts of Dirty Kansas. I mean, it's fifteen hour or whatever. Yeah, you know, and then, but I felt so good coming home, and that's what I was hoping for at Leadville. But I was kind of 
cramping a bit. So I kind of like the finishing. I kind of remember the finishing stretch where I was just hammering and feeling awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Well, you just Sorry. pick one, Hart. Yeah, well, I know. It's a simple question. <laughs> He's going with Just make up your own Kansas. question then and answer it. Yeah. I think I think that Dirty Kansas is more achievable for most. Okay. But because um, it's just a really long day. Yeah. Last last question, and then we'll let Dale do the uh, the exit here. Which would you, if you could only go back and do one of those, which would it be? I'd do Dirty Kansas again. Dirty Kansas? Yeah. I'd probably do Leadville. Leadville. We're split 50-50. There we go. Go do them both, All folks. Right. Let us know. All right. We appreciate you guys coming hanging out with us. We appreciate everybody listening, watching, and hanging out. We will catch you guys next time. Adios. Peace. Peace.